Hi everyone, my name is Jade and welcome to this week's episode of Rich Friends. This week we have on Juliana Durzo. She is our editor and executive producer here at Rich Friends. We actually met in university. We were in the same production program and now years later we're working together. So we basically just take this episode as a chance to run down just all of the stuff we've learned in 2020, what we're hoping to do in 2021, um, and just kind of talking more so about COVID and how it's affected the media landscape and market. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and get something from it. Thank you for being here, Juliana. I'm super excited to connect and hopefully have the audience really get to know you better too, because your story is amazing. Um, and almost do like an end of your wrap up. Yeah, well, thank you, Jay. Thank you for having me. It feels so cool to be on the other side of, of things. I mean, I use, I listen every week and I'm usually editing and putting the podcast together. So great to be able to have a real conversation with you for others to hear what the process looks like of us kind of putting this whole thing together. Yeah, and I think we should just kind of start off with a little bit of like, um, you know, how we first met and like how this kind of project came to be because, you know, it's been in the works for a while and you've been someone who like knew about it almost like before anybody else. Um, And then like you and I kind of have an interesting like background. We met obviously uh, in school for media production and then you went off to do your master's um, at Syracuse. So just kind of a lot of different like paths crossing there too. Yeah, so cool. I'm touched that I was one of the early people to know about it. I, I mean, I didn't even know until we were talking about the things that we want to talk about last night. And I think I brought it up like we spoke about this last January when we were in L.A. together. When you live in L.A., I was just visiting, working for Variety. And um, we went to a really cool place for drinks. And you told me about this idea. And I thought it was so cool. And I'm happy that I've been able to kind of be a part of it from the ground up. Yeah, and I'll never forget like the idea to me just kind of um, sprung from being at, I don't even think I've told this on the show yet, but I, the idea to me came from like, it's a mix between having women talking about finance and then also having women talking about like creative as well. Um, I just think in general, there isn't enough tools out there for women to take control of their finances, understand them, um, and just feel really, really confident around that. And for me, that, that was always a gap. Like I was at, Um, a restaurant when I first thought of the idea with a girlfriend of mine and I was waiting for her to come and and have brunch and these two men were beside me and they were just you know it was a younger guy um, and a older uh, father's like friend and that I saw them talking and I, I heard him just basically like giving this like younger kid like full mentorship teaching him all about you know how stocks work career advice everything all in one sitting and I was like there isn't this for women. Like, I don't know one of my mom's friends I could right now go to for something like this. So for me, I was like, I need to build a platform and like a conversation around, you know, openly talking about finance, but not in a boring way. You know, I think that mentorship is like so important because I think that's something that maybe we didn't necessarily get through school. And there's so many things that I wish I knew earlier on that like, we know how to, you know, put a film together or put a production plan together or budgets, but like, something that's so easy as maybe like how to build relationships, what to say in a LinkedIn message and just like how to kind of continuously grow that, that relationship. I think it's something so important because I think it really comes down to it's who knows you and basically 
how are you going to get to the next step that you need to get like to? Yeah. And I think you have a really interesting story too, because you've been recently, um, and you, and you can tell a little bit of background on this, but with COVID, um, you've come home from school, you're in school in the United States, came home to Canada when COVID hit. Um, and now you've been kind of relying on LinkedIn to figure out what your next steps are. Um, and just kind of like figuring out just in general, what life looks like, like basically all of us are. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear like, just like a little bit more about how you're navigating it and it like what the challenges have been for you well I think the good thing that well not that anything could really be good out of all of this but I think that what oh oh, something that the light at the end of the tunnel is that people just have more time now than they did prior because they're not you know commuting to a workplace or they're inside so I feel like people are willing to help new grads because at the end of the day there's just a handful of all these people who have either been laid off or trying to navigate the world and get into get into the market that they're just willing to help so I honestly have a template of LinkedIn messages that I cater towards specific people. As funny as that seems, if it's either a job that I've applied for, I'll just, I'll say something like, um, I'm really interested to know about your career path and your role at this company because um, I recently applied. Sometimes I don't even include that because I'm like, I don't want them to just scream my message and think that's the only reason why I'm reaching out. But I basically just have like a couple lines summarizing who I am. Sometimes I say I'm, I'm Canadian. If if I find that that could be a connection to the person, a lot of peers of ours have transitioned to the American media industry. So sometimes I'll say like, I see you have global media experience between Canada and the US. I want to hear about your path. So I've been very, very lucky to connect with people. And even just through the program that I went to, it's, it's a prestigious journalism school. So a lot of people that have been in the industry have been through the program and they're willing to give back. I talked to someone that's on Good Morning America basically he told me he applied to like 150 for his first jobs and it just takes one yes and now I'm like held on to that one year later and really it is it's so true like it only takes one yes meanwhile that wasn't during a pandemic and everything the whole world being on a standstill but yeah I guess for me it's just I'm I'm lucky that I have this position now where I'm able to work with you and you're a mentor to me and and learn every step of the way like I never had experience in audio production per se before, but I did video production. So it's been a learning experience and I'm happy to to keep going and learn as I go and just kind of figure out what the move will be. It's such a weird time right now. I feel like we have to live day by day. No, I feel you. I, I think that, you know, I feel the exact same way. I, I think that too, something that's amazing that you've done for, you know, during the pandemic is you started your own like business and you've been running all the projects that we've been collaborating on through that business. So to me, it's like, you're not someone who just like stopped working when the pandemic hit. Um, You very much were flexible and figuring out like how to, you know, move next, what this market looks like. Um, And so I think, you know, if you could tell everyone just like a little bit more about like the business you started, um, how you're running production deals through that, and then also kind of like figuring out what the next steps are, because it's a bit of a crossroads right now. Yeah, for, for sure. It's so, it's so weird, especially being between two countries. And I think that you can like relate to like our, we have like a double life in a way, like our family is here but our careers are, are there. And it's just like, this all kind of, I feel like just stemmed from us being chosen to study at UCLA where you must've been, you were going into your fourth year when that happened, right? Yeah. So we, we both did um, a UCLA affiliate program um, in our, I was going to 
fourth year, I think, at school. Um, and then for me, I always knew I wanted to move to the U.S. just because I found the Canadian market to be a little bit smaller. Um, and just because I also wanted to change at the time, I was like, you know, I had been in Toronto for four years. I wanted to sh- do something different. Um, and to me, it was a, it was a kind of inevitable. Um, and I'm sure you feel the same way, right? Yeah. And I think what's so funny is like we originally met at um, almost like a school award show, like the equivalent to the Emmys. We had like the Tara Awards and Jade and I were both presenters. And I don't know, you just gave me like such a vibe. I remember you were wearing like this really cute white eyelid dress and I just thought you were beautiful. And we started talking and I was just like, wow, this gal. And then I think I literally ran into you. We like never saw each other again till like what, three or four years later in LA. I was in the program and I knew that I wanted to work in the States too. And you had done it and you were like, it is possible. Like, I'll help you. And I'm like, yes, like we can do it. People have this stigma around going to the US in general, like, oh, it can't happen or, oh, it's really impossible. Definitely there are a lot of hoops to jump through. And I think I need to do a full episode of like, this is how I did it. This is the logistics behind my visa process. This is exactly kind of what, how I started my business. And I think that's like a full other episode. But I think that for me personally, like I had three different visas, a J1 intern visa, a TN graphic design visa, and then an E2 investment visa. And I didn't hire a lawyer once because I just would sit at night and like read information on it and and educate myself around it. So I think it's definitely possible. And people like to talk about like, oh, it's really expensive or, oh, you know, you can't do that. But with the internet, there's so much access to information that I think that, you know, it's definitely possible and like you're able to actually self-represent. So for me, when, when people come to me and say, oh, it's impossible, it's impossible. It's like, well, when I got my TN visa, I basically filled out all the paperwork for my company on behalf of my company, got them to sign it in their HR department and made it really, really easy for them. So it didn't feel like it was a big push. Um, But definitely on my end too, I've had it the other way where it hasn't worked out. And when I moved to New York and lived in New York um, and was trying to get a job there, like the HR department basically said like, no, like we can't do this visa for you. So I've had it I've had a no and like I've had the like yeah we're not doing this for you after I was like super excited but I think like it is possible you just have to be prepared for like bumps along the way yeah and I I think that there's just such a stigma about it and it really isn't that hard like at the end of the day it's a piece of paper and it's it's a signature and if anything's possible if you set your mind to it and when it came down to us like we had the opportunity where we were selected to to study at an amazing institution and learn about the industry we were hooked and we had to figure out kind of the ways to get there. I, I worked for Variety during that that time. I was working for them at the film festival in Cannes and then um, at, in Toronto. And so I was kind of thinking, okay, is entertainment journalism the way I want to go? Do I want to stay production? I didn't know. I ended up going to New York and I got my no as well later during that year. Um, and the so I fast-tracked, I don't even know if you know this, but I fast-tracked my entire undergrad to finish in three and a half years. So by like I didn't know that. yeah and I did a double minor so I took school every summer like I was in oh my god <laughs> so but I knew that I wanted to go right so by the winter semester I flew down to New York twice for interviews one with an entertainment firm and then one with um entertainment tonight and it literally just came down to visas too similar to you I got the nose and then I went to see schools while I was there and I figured okay if I do my master's 
this will lead me in the future. This will lead me to the U.S. And then as well as teaching down the line, potentially management roles, like I knew it would open a lot of doors. And I'm so grateful that I feel like everything happens for a reason because if I had to do it all again, it'd be very hard to just take a leap of faith and go do my master's right now in the middle of a pandemic. Like, and who knows what the future is going to look like, if school's going to be in a hybrid, if it's going to be online. And so I was very lucky that I got into my first choice and I worked really hard for a, a year to kind of get in as many doors as I could. And um, yeah, I guess I really just learned what I want to do. So my master's is in broadcast digital journalism with a sports emphasis. During that time, I went to go work for Variety in January. That's how our paths kind of collided again. Um, I came home for spring break in March thinking that we were going back by the end of the month and I haven't been back since. So my next three semesters were online and yeah, I decided to kind of in this time period of where I was home in Toronto, trying to work in the U.S. or get back to the U.S., decide on what I could do. And I knew that I could basically do production from home. And that's what led me to launching my business, Coast to Coast Collective. Um, my love of traveling and kind of creating content led me to create this brand of creating borderless content, content that travels between, you know, Toronto, New York, L.A., and just having the idea of uh, having a collection of creators that are borderless globally. I love that. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And it's funny, too, as you said, like, oh, I got lucky that I got into my first school. I think for me, like, you just said, like, oh, I worked so hard. I was doing, you know, summer school every single year. To me, it's like, this industry is interesting because it's like, you work so hard and then you could not hear anything for like a year or two. And then all of a sudden it's like a lottery ticket and okay, now you just got your dream job. And so it's crazy. And so for me, it's like, it's a weird mix between luck and hard work. And I think that so often people say, oh, they just got lucky. Oh, they just got lucky. It's like, you don't really know what's happening behind the scenes. Like would someone know that, okay, you were working and doing summer school that entire time, you already got two no's and still continued and just went ahead and did your master's in New York, even though you got a no. So I think like there's a weird mix between both, you know? Yeah. And I think that no one actually knows what happens behind closed doors. Like you said, like you got your nose too, and you had to do all these visas without a lawyer. And like, it's just like, it's stress. And I think that maybe we're used to it because we've been through the process and we have colleagues that have made the transition. But when it comes to kind of the other side of things, it's just something that's not really necessarily known down there. You know, like it's, <laughs> but what kills me is that I feel like LA and New York is kind of built on the foundation of immigration. Like how many creatives do you know? And people in the space of like designers, you know, directors, actors that are non-Americans. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, America in general and even Canada too is like built on the space of immigration. So I think that, you know, now with, and I don't want to get too political, but now with the way that the government has changed in the United States, I think that that will like open up and be a little bit less tense, hopefully in the next couple of years. Um, for me, I was getting maybe is at a time of like Donald Trump. So I had to focus um, pretty primarily on, 
you know, proving that I was going to stimulate the economy for the United States, provide United States um, citizens with jobs and also help the United States businesses that were already there. Um, I currently, when I was transitioning my visa, I had the TN visa, which is the North America Free Trade Agreement visa, which was the one he was trying to shut down because that was the one that allowed Canadians and Mexicans to, you know, work in the United States pretty freely. Um, So definitely I feel like, you know, there was a sense of urgency there and I hope people feel a little bit more welcome and people feel a little bit more welcome to move between even, you know, people in Mexico and the United States coming to Canada. And like that is just continues to be something that's open. Um, Cause yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think it makes for a better like global economy and I think it makes for, you know, better work overall, just being able to collaborate, you know, as you say, like coast to coast. Yeah. And I think that's something like, like you said, Canada's built so much on the foundation of immigration and like something that I, I really enjoy about here is that we have so many different cultures and so many different places to kind of eat and go to these like little places that are built on the foundation of, of people who've immigrated who are building a life here. And it's like, I just feel like my grandparents immigrated here. I know your dad immigrated and it's just like, that is just not as necessarily common over there because it's just such a larger country. People are, are, are born, they move around the States more. And that's another thing that I think is so funny because I feel like Canadians do not move half as much as Americans do. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But winding back for a second, I'd love to know just so that the audience can kind of get context. Um, you are a digital producer. You're also a host. Um, what kind of made you want to move into that lane and choose this industry for, for work? Well, I knew that I didn't want to stick into one place. Like I could not imagine having to go to like an office every day and just like sit down at a desk and do things, which in a way I guess we do because we're sitting at a computer editing, but like, I think every day for us is different. And I think that that's something that I really valued in a career. And my dad always told me growing up, he would say that find a job that doesn't feel like work and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Like if you love your job, then I'm, I don't know. I was very lucky that I had such a support system where my parents were always just like study whatever you want because whatever we want you to study, you might not necessarily even like. And so I was always into the arts growing up. I went to um, an arts academy for high school which I auditioned for three times to get in. And by the third time, I said, third time's a charm. Like, you better let me in now. And I was. And I said, I told them that story in my RTA interview. So I, I think it's so true. Like, nobody knows what happens behind closed doors. And I feel like that was, like, my first taste of, of adversity. Like, I auditioned when I was in grade six for grade seven. And then grade seven for grade eight and then grade eight to grade nine. And it's like that prepped me for later down the line of just being prepared for interviews and stuff. Cause I did it growing up having been a performer and a vocalist. Um, and I just, I don't know, something is just so exciting about the industry. I love that it's ever changing and it's global. And I think that it's just so cool. Like I honestly wouldn't, ch- I don't know. Do you feel the same? Like what, what else would, I, I don't think there's anything else I'd want to do. Is there anything else you'd want to do? No. And I think that's the reason why we're here because it's an industry that there's a lot of rejection in and there's a ton of, you know, you get no's all around the door and your work isn't just like a straight climb. Like you're going to have like roadblocks along the way pretty frequently. Um, and I always say this to people, it's like, you know, and basically if my, so my roommate right now is, is getting her, uh, like pre-med degree and is going to go into medicine. Um, she's also does a little bit of entertainment as well, but that's what she's focused on right now. And for her, it's a very like, 
okay, step one, step two, step three, and then this is what you get, right? Like, obviously there are different things along the way, but it's very much like there's a clear path to success. You're going to do pre-med, then you're going to go into med school. Whereas the entertainment industry in general, I mean, you could have no degree, have a lot of talent, and then, you know, rise up through that. There's no clear path for success at all. It also relies really heavily on like who you know, obviously, in your network, um, because you always want to be top of mind when getting jobs and all that. So I think that it's it's an it's an industry you have to love if you're going to be in it for years and years and years and constantly reminding yourself why you got into it because it is exciting, it's fun. It's to me, I always say this, but you know, it basically the reason I'm in you know content in general is because it's a window to the world, like you can learn so much about the world through content without necessarily being directly in that industry. So for example, like at Sickbird, like we're creating content for, you know, fitness companies that like I would have never known and dove this deep into certain fitness um, trends and ideas and health, you know, ideologies if we were not um, creating content for them. Uh, Another one too is like, you know, we work with a company called The Lesson where they're going out and talking to people globally about, you know, the greatest lesson that they learned in their life and being able to edit and create that content for me is really exciting um, because it helps me kind of understand the world better. Uh, we're also working right now to assist with like, you know, a, a massive uh, doctor platform for ketogenic science where they're taking um, like different health concerns like cancers and helping to solve it through like keto medicine. So for me, it's like, that's so interesting. And, and I would never be someone to go and become a doctor, but learning about it and working with doctors and doing that all through a lens of content is why I'm in this industry Um, and getting to talk to different people and kind of having it be a communication based medium is super interesting and kind of being able to be in control of that narrative that you're portraying to others is like what I really want to, um, you know, take control of. Cause I'm sure when, when you were growing up, you felt the same way as like women on TV and like women in general were just portrayed as like talking heads. And I think that, you know, being able to control the narrative around like how women are portrayed, um, you know, how diversity is portrayed on screen, like that's all really, really exciting stuff to me. Um, and so, yeah, I know that that was a bit of a rant, but that's kind of why I meant it. No, that was like a big answer. I didn't know you had all that, all the, that content going <laughs> on. Like that's intense. I feel like, I, I feel like what's so interesting is that we learn so much too. And I think that one of the scary parts, like you said, is that there is no carved path. Like my, my two best friends are law school. So for them, it's very like, they take the bar, they do their articling and then they're, they're in their career. Like versus we're kind of like a zigzag where it's fun, but it's unknown. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no guaranteed kind of steps and where you want to go. But I think what's so fascinating is that you could really do whatever you want and it's whether it's producing content or doing marketing strategies or working for a PR firm down the line, like, everything just kind of builds on top of each other for the industry. Yeah. And it's a lot different now than when I like decide I was really, really young. I was like, I'm going to go into, you know, the content industry. I was like 13 and it looks a lot different now than it did when I was super young. Um, It's a lot more digital. TV is less of a massive, massive thing. Like it was, um, because I remember when I was growing up, I looked at like MTV and I was like much music, MTV, all of that. And I was like, oh, this is the only job you can get in entertainment. Like, this is what we have to do. Like, so we're all going to work towards working at one network and we're all just going to do that and that's it. And that's kind of the only thing 
that I thought of when I thought of this industry. Yeah, I think that, and like we were saying before, I think it really comes down to just like networking and figuring out kind of the things that you want to do. I know for me, like I kind of struggled with deciding like, do I want to be on air? Do I want to produce? And like you said, like, I don't want to just be someone there that's on air and that's reading the prompter. Like I actually want to have creative freedom. And and since I know how to shoot at and produce, like I want to be on the ground producing content. And so I feel like you, for me, it's like, you really have to decide you either go into kind of local news with the hopes of getting to the network level and being on good morning America, or you go behind the scenes and work in like either a digital publication or even on a, a, you could start at a network level, but you'd have to be a production assistant. And just, I don't, for me, it's just the jobs aren't as readily available as they were before prior to a pandemic. And it's just kind of scary. Like I know we talk about you coming home and being able to spend time with your family, but it's really like, it feels like going to the U S currently is like going halfway across the world like with our, our borders being closed, our family only being able to come in with a flight and who even knows if that's going to Yeah, stay. no, I completely agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you told me just about how it works being on the broadcast level and on the network level of like getting into different markets, I had no idea. Like they didn't teach us that in school and I didn't understand like what, like how they grade the markets and how they have literally like top 100 markets and like different levels of that do you can you talk about that a little bit because I think that that's really interesting and that's not something I ever knew until you told me yeah it's honestly insane I had no idea either until I got into journalism school that I was I was basically told so my dream was to work into New York New York City to follow and I was basically told like you're not getting a job in New York City at a school if you want to be on air which is you know what for some people like who can do it there that's like I feel like the bunch that it's like one in a million that you're able to do it or they're they're not necessarily like when you kind of look at at national news no one's like close to our age like a lot of people are are that's not their first you know job in the industry so basically how it works in in Canada and the U.S. in, in the U.S. I think there's like 210 media markets in Canada I would think less but Toronto or- is number one <laughs> and basically yeah or but to come out of school, like I, I think we were talking about it with some people in Canada, they're starting in places like Saskatoon or Prince Edward Island. In the US, you're starting at in small towns that are away from major cities. So like I have a friend who started in Burlington, Vermont. That's market like um, 96. So basically 210 markets, if you can start in the top 100, that's a very great kind of ambition and, and being able to do that because at the end of the day, like you're starting in top 100 and there's a whole bottom 100 kind of markets that other people have to start in before they can get to the next step. And so the way it kind of works is people start in a medium sized market and then they either go to the network or they to take a little pit stop, maybe in like a 50 or a 30 and then go to the network. So you're looking at like a few years, like I would say probably like five years before you're getting to number one, which is New York, or number two, which is LA, San Francisco's and a top 10 market, that sort of thing. That's really interesting. And then how do they, how, how, do you know how the interview process works for like the top one or the top 10, sorry, markets? Do they obviously review your demo? Like how does, how does that work? So it comes to a lot like networking, like it's literally about who you know and who knows you. And then as well as if you decide to get an agent, that helps too, because agents are pretty connected. They can send your demo reel out. A lot of people have different ambitions and values. Like 
at the end of the day, it's a lot of moving around and you kind of have to choose a life or a career, like, because like you decide, do I want to be in a relationship? Do I want to settle here? And a lot of anchors and local news make that place their home per se for us, like our family's here. So at the, end, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, we left. <laughs> I think that to make the choice like work career or life, I think we've already kind of made that choice of just like choosing that right now. I, my qu- kind of thing is like, I'm just quite honestly spending my entire twenties working and I've kind of made that choice for myself. Of like, okay, I'm going to spend my entire twenties working, hopefully be in a good place when I hit my thirties of just like being able to delegate better. Cause that's one thing that I'm trying to, I'm struggling with and constantly struggling with, with the business is like, okay, I have a production company. We're up and running, we're profitable, but I don't have a life. And like, I don't see my family as much as I should. I don't see my friends. Obviously we're in a pandemic, so it's fine. Um, but I just don't know how sustainable it is. So for me, I'm like, okay, my long-term plan is just like to get the company to a place where I can properly delegate and and hire people that I trust and that I'm really excited about. All of our creators are amazing, but there's also another side to business that I don't think I really um, was that educated on because I don't have a business degree, but it's things like sales. It's things like business development. It's things like invoicing that I'm learning right now. And I'm kind of learning as I go where it takes a lot more time than you think. And it's something that for me, I, it takes a second to get good at. And it takes a second to not only learn, but then learn how to delegate those jobs as well. Yeah. And I think that that's so important, like to try to have a work-life balance. Like I remember that came up in your last episode with London. It's just like, it's challenging because I, I know in journalism, like you're basically working around the clock, like your shift might be 9.30 to 6.30, but you might be going live at 6 p.m., right? And so then you're okay, so you're wrapped up by 6.30, but then you're preparing another story tomorrow. So you're going to go home, you're going to sleep, you're going to look at the news and, and think, okay, what what sources am I going to contact the next day to do the story? So I think it's really hard because I think really like, I heard something on the radio on the Razamoka show where it's like people don't actually like settle in their mind, I think until they're like 50, because it's like in your 20s, you're working so hard to build your life and your career that really you're not at ease until you have those savings, you're able to delegate and kind of figure out because I think it's so hard like to figure out, especially in media, like it's, and, and I think law is similar in a sense where it's like, you don't have, it's not nine to five. You constantly need to know what's going on. You're sending your client. Okay. Here's this is, this is the social campaign. I'm thinking they're like, we need you to make changes. Those changes take forever. (laughs) Then you have to send them back. And I think that that's another maybe downfall is that like, content takes so much less time to consume than it does to make. And I think it's hard. Like, I don't know how to, to keep right. Netflix. It's, it's like anything that's like an online, I guess, medium that, that shows stuff is just like when there's an episode drop or a season drop, it's like all those episodes are consumed within a few days and that just took a year in production. So, yeah, no, that's a, that's actually such a good point. I didn't even think of that, but it does. It takes, years to create a like well not years up but like a year let's say to create a really really good film and we know that from behind the scenes but it takes like two hours to consume it um and I think that's that's actually a really good point I think that even for something like this podcast like we're gonna record it 
let's say we talk for 30 minutes to an hour, but then you go back and edit it and then you export it and then you upload it and then you create social campaign around it. Like, so it's, it's very much so like, it's not just a quick talk for 30 minutes to an hour upload done. It it doesn't just happen like that. Um, And then you have to think of like a marketing campaign for it. How are we going to get people to listen? Like who do we want to have listen? Um, And so there is a lot more thought that goes into it. And I think that that is really interesting. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never thought of it like Especially that Especially TikToks, right? Like, I just have, like, such a, <laughs> well, TikTok, like, you know what? I would say podcasts is on, podcasts are probably, like, higher production, which is crazy because you would think that it would be lower production without being video and you just listen. But it does take a really long time to edit, a, a, you know, a length of, of 45 minutes or half an hour. But all these people that create content, it does take a really long time. Like, I remember in another episode that when you were talking to Sarah Jenkins, another RTA grad, she was saying that to be able to grow on TikTok, she has to post two TikToks a day. And it's like, when I see it or when you see it, it might be something from three days ago, you don't realize she posted two that day. And that's like another two hours out of her day, three hours out of her day that she's adding. And I think that like, it just comes to the point where you need to to schedule and figure out all the things that you want to incorporate, whether it's meal prepping or going to the gym or trying to have an hour with your boyfriend or talk to your family. It's just like, all these things that I, I I wonder if guys think the same way as us because I just feel like men are just like I don't know I just don't I, maybe they don't think about all these things you know I think they're a little bit more they I definitely think they don't overthink like we do um and I, I think that they just kind of do it and then sometimes kind of can get into like a little bit of an autopilot mode but I'm not sure I, I also think that for us we're, we, we take things like, maybe it's cause I don't know if we're like a little bit more, I don't want to say emotional is the wrong word, but like we think a lot through things and maybe I don't want to say that they don't, but I think that like for me when working with men, I would say I'm like thinking 10 steps ahead and maybe they're just like, let's just do what needs to be done. And I'm like, Oh no, but I'm thinking like, what about five years down the line? <laughs> yeah. I think that if anything, we've learned not to try plan out of, out of this, because I mean, for me, I had my whole life planned out. Everything was great. I was living my best life. And then just like in a second, you know, life can change. And you, I think it really comes down to like, okay, so what do we value at the end of the day? Because it can just be taken away from us. And what is actually tangible? Like when I went to go pack up my belongings in the U S and I brought my mom to help me. And she was declined at the U.S. border. That was like a pivoting moment where I was like, okay, (laughs) I have to do this all by myself. I remember driving her back to Canada and I literally did like four trips back and forth from the U.S. and Canada because no one could help me move. And I was like, this is all just material stuff that was important to me to get back from my home in, in the States. And it's like, at the end of the day, like we have our family, we have our skills, we have our ambition. And I, f- I feel like I've just learned to live in the moment. That's all you can do. Yeah. I think that's a really good note to end on. I think that's really positive. I think that pretty much covers a lot. Um, do you have anything else we want to cover before we wrap up? Because that was kind of amazing. Well, thank you. I, I This was so fun. I feel like we could talk forever. We do talk multiple times a week to go over business stuff, but I think it's great that I was able to kind of have a different seat at the table. Um, I think that I guess if anybody, I would love feedback from our listeners. If I just kind of shoot Sickbird a message, anything that they want to hear, anything that they like on the podcast, we're always looking for feedback to get better. And whether it be anything, I'd love to hear. You could DM me too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Give us, give us your Instagram handle to DM you. Okay. So it's at uh, J-U-L-I-A-N-N-A-D-U-R-Z-O or Z-O for any Americans who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, and you can find us at Sigbird Productions on Instagram. Um, we check DMs all the time. We have an amazing social media coordinator named Kristen. So shoot her message. She's fantastic. And it will come back probably to me. So Uh, yeah, we're always checking DMs. So let us know if you want, if you have any questions, if you want us to cover anything on any other episodes Um, and just kind of a like quick wrap up. Um, I think next year is going to be very pivotal for the business. It's going to be really um, a time of transition, figuring out what scaling looks like. So I'm really excited to dive into that. We're going to be taking um, a little bit of a break just until we get into the new year. Um, And then from there, just diving into you know, a bigger update of like where the business is at, what our goals are. Um, Cause for right now, I think that I've been a little bit swamped the past couple of weeks and I think that a break will be needed to reset and then kind of, you know, take some time to write down our goals and to write down what we want to do next year and then to really attack that in 2021. Yeah, we're going to hit the ground running. Or I, I think that's something that came up when we were talking about this is that we actually met in January last year and you told me about this podcast idea and I think I said to you, like, would you have ever thought we would have been seven oh, episodes crazy. in? And I'm happy about year? that. And I think we just had to keep going. I, I think that, you know, with anything, even when you look at the best podcasters in the world, it's like, they just have to start, you know, you just have to start. You just have to start creating content. You just have to be brave enough to put it out there. And I think continuing to do that through, you know, 2021 is going to be really exciting. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to follow more, please check out the Sickbird Productions Instagram, S-I-C-K-B-I-R-D Productions on Instagram. We basically post all of the updates there. And if you have any questions or anything like Juliana said, please feel free to DM us. I would love to hear from you. So yeah, thanks so much for listening and I will see you guys back in the new year.